This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, this is Matt. Kose. Mark. Ian. James. Mel. Zach. This is David. This is PSG Talking. Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello listeners and welcome back for another episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and joining me today once again is Stefan Butzko. He's from the Yellow Wall Podcast. Stefan, how are things going for you? I would imagine pretty good after that 2-1 result over PSG in the Champions <laughs> League. It could have been better, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, the Champions League is is the topic that we're going to be most interested uh, in talking about for this podcast anyway. Um, We're recording, I should say, just uh, before PSG's game against Strasbourg on Saturday, and I believe Dortmund has a match against Mönchengladbach. Gladbach. I probably butchered that, but... (laughs) That's pretty on point. That's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> it's a third versus fourth, so it's a high-profile game for Dortmund. Absolutely, and, and last tune-up for both teams um, this Saturday uh, before the rematch, uh, Wednesday. So let's just dive into the topics. We've got a lot to cover, um, and we want to get you out of here. So up first, give me your general assessment of that first leg at Dortmund. Um, what was the key to victory, and what surprised you about that 2-1 result for you guys? Um, the key to victory was scoring one more goal than PSG. Um, no, but but honestly, uh, I, I think Dortmund had a very sound uh, defensive performance, very mature, and uh, I was quite uh, happy with uh, how, how intense they were uh, compared to PSG, who really weren't, especially with Mbappé and Neymar. I thought you could really see how little they do in defense, and I think it cost PSG overall. Um, I think I... Th- I would say, and, and this might be a bit controversial on this particular podcast, but I think Thomas Tuchel got the tactics quite right by trying to mirror the uh, lineup that Dortmund have. It was pretty much a 3-4-3 formation from PSG2, maybe a 3-4-2-1 or so, if you want to draw um, Mbappé a bit further up front. Um, but I think it was smart in the sense that uh, it was a conservative approach by Thomas Tuchel. I know he can play... Um, a bit more attacking minded but in the Champions League this is what you do especially away to Dortmund where a lot of giant teams have fallen uh, the likes of Atletico Madrid were pounced for nothing uh, not so long ago and we all know Atletico Madrid are not famous for conceding four goals mm-hmm. so um, I think that was a, a well designed idea by Tuchel and uh, overall I was impressed with how Dortmund played especially considering they closed out the game with uh, three players that were 19 or younger yeah. up front. So, um, you know, bringing on Gio Reyna, 17-year-old, and then basically with that um, scoring the the opener, or no, it was, I think, the, the, the winner in the end. Um, that was pretty good on Dortmund's side. Yeah, he assisted Holland's uh, goal in the 77th minute. So pretty great for a 17-year-old. It made a lot of American fans happy to see that, I know, because he's yeah. hopefully going to represent USA. But... Hell of a player, Reina is. Yes, he is. In. He's already uh, on record saying that he will 100% play for the United States. So for all the US fans out there, I think that's a very positive thing. Um, we've on the Yellow Whiteboard already talked about him having a higher ceiling than Christian Pulisic. Hmm. And uh, given that he's 17 doing these things right now and is already a very robust guy, 
um, I, th I think there is some merit to it, but obviously we don't want to heap too much on him this early. But yeah, overall, obviously very positive. And I think the, the biggest positive is that um, Axel Witzel said after the game that they won the midfield battle against mm -hmm. Gay and Verratti. Um, that being said, I personally think that Verratti of all the four uh, defensive midfielders had the best game. Um, and I think that's the biggest positive for Dortmund that he's out for the return leg because he's an idiot. Yes. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> there's no better, no other way to put it. I mean, if you're the, the most vital player for your team and you get booked because of complaining and miss the <laughs> return leg, that's, that's, that's pretty shambolic right there. But, and it's, uh, it's not the first time and it's not going to be the last time he's recently signed a contract extension. So we'll have years <laughs> of enjoying Variety do the most boneheaded things in the Champions League and getting suspended. You're right. I mean, he's a huge... He's just going to be a huge hole in the midfield now without him. Um, and it creates an issue because Thiago Silva has been injured. We don't know if he'll be back in time. And if he's not able to play at center back, Marquinhos will have to play defense you know, as a center back instead of in the midfield. And Ander Herrera is also out. So that one little mistake, you know, jawing at the referee, could cause PSG in this tie. So really not a great decision. Uh, by him, but I I thought Axel Witzel, like you said, I thought he was great in the midfield. He was. You guys were just pressing PSG, didn't give them any space to create, um, and it's not something they're really used to uh, in league on where teams kind of sit back and will play five, six, seven defenders and just try to hold on for dear life. So you guys really took it to PSG and, and just closed everything off and pressed. And then when you you had an opportunity to launch a counterattack. I mean, I've never seen speed like that. I mean, we enjoy Mbappe, and he's kind of one player, but you guys have several players who can just run up and down the pitch. So I was really impressed with that. Yeah, I think there was a video played back and forth of Haaland clearing yeah. the corner and then going into a sprint. Uh, and I think there was like a little uh, spotlight on him so people would uh, look at him. But uh, you see Torgen Hazard at the mm -hmm. bottom of the frame just doing the same speed and the same run. So, yes, Dortmund have a lot of uh, space uh, and pace, mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry. And uh, I think that for Dortmund fans, it was actually a little frustrating to see because, especially in the first half, um, they had a couple of opportunities to hit PSG on the break and they just didn't execute it well enough. Otherwise, um, I think Dortmund could have won this game a bit more decisively than just 2-1. Yeah, and I think, I think was... overall it was a very deserved win for the black and yellows. Yeah, I thought there was a move early in the first half with uh, Sancho, I believe it was. It may have been that run that Halan was making where he had a great shot and just kind of scuffed it a little bit um, and was off off target. But yeah, you guys could have definitely scored. In the end, 2-1 isn't the worst result like you were saying um, earlier before we started recording. I mean, a lot of teams have, have gone down at Dortmund. So Tuchel, that was likely his game plan. Just hold on for dear life and get out of there as minimal Yeah, you damage. can see that Thomas Tuchel did not want to lose in Dortmund. He really did not want to lose there. Yeah. I think his priority was more on not losing than winning. Mm. Pretty shocking considering the, the financial resources, the difference between the two sides. You would think PSG would go in there and Kind of nah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but even if, if you have such a, you know, rich and well-resourced club, um, you know, even Real Madrid or Barcelona don't go to Dortmund and, and uh, really try to play for a win. I mean, Barcelona were lucky to get a scoreless draw in, in the group stages because they were absolutely pummeled there. Um, I mean, just look at the atmosphere right at the beginning, yeah. the choreo, and then obviously... Um, the the noise. I mean, the the Dortmund stadium is quite famous for its atmosphere and the yellow wall. And uh, on the Bundesliga match day, mm -hmm. 
because the yellow wall is then all stands there about 82,000 people in the stands on a Champions League night because they have to convert the stadium to an all-seater. It's about 66,000 people. But I would uh, say that uh, the atmosphere on a Champions League night is even better. So um, given how strong Dortmund are at home, they have not lost a game uh, at all this season at the Westfalen Stadion. Um, I, I don't think you, you go there and, and try to win and go out all guns blazing, especially given the pace Dortmund have on the counter. I think that that would be just a suicide mission. So you would try to get a close, narrow result at the Westfalen Stadion and then bank on Dortmund's poor away form at the uh, Parc de Prince or however yes. you pronounce it. No, you, you nailed it. And we're going to talk about atmosphere here in just a bit. But I want to ask you, what is the state of Dortmund right now? You guys have played a couple of games since the win over PSG. Um, you know, Talk about some of those results. Are there any injuries? I think uh, we uh, covered it. Marco Royce isn't going to be available, but Julian Brandt has played a little bit. Are you looking to see him play a full 90 minutes tomorrow? Are there any other injuries? So just kind of talk about recent fixtures and how the team overall is looking. Well, um, overall, I think I was very impressed with Dortmund because after the PSG match where, um, you know, you have all the bells and whistles, um, Dortmund played away to Werder Bremen, um, who are second last in the Bundesliga. But uh, playing away to Werder Bremen is not easy for Dortmund. And they've recently lost there in the German Cup. It was a pretty embarrassing 3-2 loss. Um, so they showed a very mature performance there. Um, and this is something that Dortmund really lacked all season, that they can just sort of cope with the pressure of a team for the first half and then tire them out and then basically you know, score in a set-piece goal and, and stuff like that. Um, which should be the standard operating procedure for a team like Dortmund, but it really hasn't been. So um, all in all, that has been a very positive development for Dortmund to win like that on the road. You know, I think Emre Can described it as a grown-up performance. And last Saturday, they had a 1-0 win, which was very unspectacular against SC Freiburg, who are, I think, well, were in ninth place before the match day. Um that's a team Dortmund like to beat. Um, and I think you could see that Dortmund are maybe a little bit fatigued. But um, I don't think that's going to be a big issue against PSG because they should be even more fatigued than Dortmund overall um, because they had more matches. So I hope it doesn't play a big part overall on Wednesday. But we will see. Um, when it comes to Julian Brandt, yes, he played on uh, Saturday. I don't know if he played the full 90 minutes. Um, but he started definitely, and yeah, uh, I will say this, he is one of the most creative players that Dortmund have, and especially when it comes to fast breaks and to initiate them, he is uh, probably the best player they have, Um, but that being said, I think the key for Dortmund against PSG in the first game was the defensive intensity, and he really lacks that. So um, it's going to be a risk to play him, to be honest. But um, it's it's a weapon that Dortmund really have, and uh, Lucy Favre might just play him because of the quality. If, if, he, do- Royce. if he does play, who makes way? Because your midfield um, was great, I thought. Yeah, he would probably slot into the front three, oh, so okay. he might play in, in, instead of Torgen Hazard. I'm pretty sure that um, Favre will keep the Witzel-Jan partnership yeah. and... Uh, leave the, the team as much as it is un- unless someone gets injured on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, 
I mean, Tuang Hazard didn't have his best night against PSG, but that being said, he was a workhorse and that made a lot of difference as well, even if his uh, attacking output wasn't up to the standard that it usually is. Um, so we'll see whether Favre wants to risk it and play someone who ne doesn't necessarily press as much and isn't so intense in tackles. Yeah, Tuchel has decisions like that as well with uh, Thiago Silva, who was injured and when he was injured on February 23rd, I believe it was against Bordeaux. Um, it, w it came out that he was going to be out three weeks and would definitely miss the return leg, but apparently he's not in any pain and he's, he's coming back. And it's kind of like the same thing. Like he hasn't played a lot. Do you, do you chance him in a big game like this? He's 35 years old and we already know about Dortmund's pace. Do you really want to put a guy who hasn't played in a few games who's 35 years old? I mean, he has all the experience in the world, but it's, it's something that I think both managers are kind of wrestling with right now is like, what is your ideal lineup? Who is the most in form? Um, and we, I guess we won't find out till Wednesday. Um, for that match, it hasn't been decided yet. We've already talked a little bit about the atmosphere, but we have to talk about coronavirus, everyone. I mean, it's <laughs> worldwide spread of this uh, coronavirus. And um, it's been reported that potentially the Parc de Prince could be empty. It could be the game could be played behind closed doors. Uh, yesterday, it came out that PSG fans may be allowed in, but Dortmund fans may not be allowed to travel from Germany and attend the game. So, kind of take those separately. I and mean, you've talked about how important that atmosphere at Dortmund is. Will there be any impact if Dortmund fans aren't allowed to be there? If a few thousand, yes, of course. Yeah, of you course. think it will have an impact? Yeah, I mean, fans do have a massive impact and the atmosphere does have a, a big impact in, in sport in general. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Um, so I will say this, if this game is like uh, what we call it, a ghost game in Germany, a, a Geisterspiel, <laughs> then uh, I think that would be an advantage to Dortmund uh, because PSG would want to have their home crowd. That being said, if it's exclusively PSG fans, then um, that that's going to be a big disadvantage for Dortmund because they also have a very well-traveled away section that uh, would make a lot of atmosphere for, for the Dortmund side. And uh, there are moments in every game where this Dortmund team needs to rely on their fans uh, a little bit to give them a little boost here and there. So not having that would obviously be a dramatic impact. So, yeah, we, we, we'll see. I don't know what the decision is going to be. Um, I mean, I guess it's it's another week and a lot of, uh, you know, things can happen because this uh, virus is spreading quite dramatically. And um, so we'll see what the decision is, whether it's going to be completely cancelled in terms of visitors like it's going on in Italy right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame, but it's a global pandemic and uh, you need to protect the most vulnerable people of your society who will be impacted by this because it's it's a bit worse than the flu, I would say, if the death rate is about 2% and the elderly, like above 70, I think, have like a chance to die, yeah. you know, one in eight or so. Yeah, so football that's, matches that's is pretty trivial in the grand scheme of things, but you do have to talk about it because the Champions League is a big deal. I think we can all safely say that the game won't be postponed. It's either going to be played behind closed doors or with some fans and maybe not but it's funny that you say that PSG would benefit if it were if only their fans uh but after the Dortmund loss some of the ultras the most passionate PSG fans there in the stadium held up a sign calling out Mbappe Neymar and 
the sign basically told them to grow a pair <laughs> and and because uh, they're just not happy with the the consistent losses in the Champions League um, we saw last year against Manchester United at home they lost 3-1 and crashed out it was like Manchester United's like C squad they had a bunch of kids out there um, so I don't know if thing <laughs> the fans are going to show up and they're going to be loud and they're going to be singing but if things don't go well PSG may wish they were playing inside of an empty stadium. That's kind of my prediction. That it yep. seems they're kind of on like a breaking point right now with the fans. Concerning um, Neymar and Mbappé, I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I only noticed it because I watched some uh, some YouTube video of some English fan who visited this this game, oh. and he was sitting near the the player tunnel, and you can see that Neymar and Mbappé leave the field. Right after they swap jerseys with the Dortmund players yeah. and go straight into the player tunnel, and the rest of the team goes into the away section to plot. And I personally think, you know, this is one of the worst things you can do as a star player because that really shows um, your, you know, own ego, and it's it's really disgusting to be honest. And I wanted to know what your opinion is and whether you actually noticed that. I did, and we actually um, wrote a piece about that, and I, I think. It's wrong, and but the the reason for it is this: Neymar had been called out by the fans earlier in the season. They said some things about his mom and everything else under the book, <laughs> but their frustration was understandable given that he tried to force his way out and join Barcelona last summer and was willing to pay part of the transfer fee or whatever it is with his own money. So you could understand. And he said Neymar after the whole incident was like, you know, it's kind of like a relationship with a girlfriend. You have a fight, blah blah blah, but. Neymar has never really warmed up to the supporters since then. And then with Mbappe, you know, he, he had that sideline altercation twice um, with, with the manager, Tuchel, when he's been taken out late in the match. Um, and there was a piece in, I want to say Le Prigien, one of the local um, French papers, talking about how Mbappe didn't come up through the PSG Academy. He, he was born in, in a Paris suburb, but... He kind of came up through Monaco, and there's and, and the fans, the ultras, don't sing his name. There's no song with Mbappe's name, but there's a song with Cavani's name. And there's that feeling as if he hasn't really earned the admiration of the fans. And there's a little bit of a coldness, a little bit of a standoff between the, the fans and Mbappe, and I think that could have led to him just going down the tunnel. I'm not saying it's right, but I think that kind of backstory explains why they did what they did, and I know a lot of fans aren't happy with that. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I don't think it explains it at all. And all I would say is boo freaking who. You can just <laughs> walk there, yeah. clap for 30 seconds, and then go into the player tunnel. It's not like uh, it's going to ruin your life or anything. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, the modicum of respect you, you show people who, you know, traveled away, paid money to see you play. So um, yeah, I, I I'm not buying all this backstory crap. I think yeah. um, this is this is a very easy thing to do, and uh, you know even even Neymar can walk to the to the fans. I mean, I've watched him play when he was still playing for Santos in Brazil, mm -hmm. and he had no problems there walking up to the fans. And uh, so I don't I don't see why he now has a big problem with it. I, I don't I mean he could mend that relationship just a little bit, um, because especially ultras. Um, really look for little signs mm -hmm. like this. It's just a, a tiny gesture, and it makes it makes a big deal for for those people who 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 are in the visiting stands. So um, yeah, I mean, if the entire rest of the team does it, um, I don't I don't see why Neymar and Mbappe can't do it. Yeah. It's it, it was a very it was simple, a bad look, and we learned after the game Neymar was 
pissed off because he didn't play in the four games leading up to that match. So he was upset, surely, with his own performance um, and was just heated and, and let it out and called out the team and called them afraid for not playing him. And Mbappe has this, like, ridiculously high level of wanting to win. I mean, he, this this kid wants to play in the Olympics and the Euros this summer. I've never seen a player like that. And I think just when he loses, he gets so frustrated. He, he was taken out of a match uh, that was like 5-0 against Montpellier. And he like stormed off the pitch. It's not a great attitude, but I think when, he, when, when they lost to Dortmund, he was just so angry. He just wanted to get off the pitch as soon as possible. I'm not explaining it, but... You're right. I think he, they both of them, it was a bad look. They should have went over to the fans, especially there were some issues with the ultras getting into the stadium. Some of them were late. Um, and then uh, we have a contributor that was at the match, and he said that the fans sung through halftime. You know? And so they, the, the fans gave their all for you. It was a, the result didn't go their way. You could at least go over and thank them for all the trouble of getting there, and it takes 20 seconds to do that, to walk over. Um, not a great look. I, I would agree with you on that. While we're taking a quick water break, we wanted to share a great podcast with you from the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. want to let you know about the Green and Bold Podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, insights, and opinions about the Oakland A's. My name's Joe Stiglich. I covered the A's for about a decade, first in newspapers, then in the TV world. Looking forward to delivering you all kinds of thoughts about the A's. And I'm David Feldman, longtime A's historian, A's media person, and we're going to get you into everything you need to know about Oakland A's baseball. So head to BigHeadsMedia.com or iTunes or Spotify or anywhere that you get your podcasts and listen to the Green and Bold podcast. So you talked a little bit about Brant, that he may come in and maybe Hazard would come off. But what change, are there other changes that you see Dortmund making to finish the job and send PSG packing for the fourth consecutive year in the round um, of 16? Not, not, not really, because they really have a solid foundation with the formation they have. Yeah. And there's not a lot of reason to, to switch it around because... Um, Obviously, at this level, I think Thomas Tuchel will know what Dortmund will do and Dortmund will probably know what Thomas Tuchel will have in mind. So there are not many secrets. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be Dortmund sitting back a little bit more, I think. And uh, I've, I've talked about it before on the other podcast. This is really the key for Dortmund. They will need to stay aggressive like they did at home. And this is sort of the, the biggest problem they have is that they can't replicate their aggression, they they show at the Westfalen Stadion on the road, and uh, whenever Dortmund sit back and sort of get um, stuck around their own box, then they are in trouble because they're not a team that's battling relegation. Is used to you know having like 20% of possession and and having a last ditch defense going on. So whenever PSG manage to push Dortmund back really far into their own half then uh, that is good for PSG because someone have very uh, little, um, you know, tools to, to defend in, in these situations, especially, I assume, Cavani and Icardi will be back, at least one of them. And, uh, you know, playing with a real out-and-out striker will probably make a big difference for PSG. Um, they just have to be a bit more attacking in this game. So yeah. this, is, this is what I expect. So if Dortmund can be aggressive then I think they have a very good chance of progressing because the PSG defense does not uh, look to me like they will keep a clean sheet in this one. So, um, yeah, it's it's all about that. But, I mean, there are so many little details that uh, can go one way or the other um, that it's really hard to predict and what really made the first leg fun to watch because I thought that was a very nuanced game, very tactical. Mm-hmm. 
and not a lot of errors on either side. So um, I think the goals that came around were all pretty much well crafted. Um, Zagadou slipped when the PG squad that was a bit yeah. unfortunate, but otherwise I don't remember too many like blatant tactical errors here and there. So it's it's going to be another you know high profile game, which is fun to watch because it's a bit like a chess game. Yeah, both of the teams went with a similar formation, and so that's why for the first half we thought both of us predicted a lot of goals and we just didn't get it because the teams basically <laughs> were just like coming up against each other and the formation was too similar, but PSG didn't really change and Dortmund used their speed and their width. And so I think we might see a little bit of a reverse of that in Paris where you're coming up against a team with the quality of Mbappe and Neymar and everybody else in the attack and, and PSG, quite frankly, are desperate. Like they, they do not want to lose this game at home again and be knocked out with their supporters watching. Um, so PSG is going to be desperate to score goals. But I also I have tweeted that Dortmund is not coming to Paris and not scoring at least a goal. So no. you just have to can give them an, uh, at least one more goal. And I mean, yeah. uh, you, you can never predict it in soccer. Maybe they have a lot of chances but don't score. This can That's obviously true. happen. But um, yeah, what I, I would say what really um, what I found interesting is PSG's insistence to play through the middle. Yes. Yeah. You know, they hardly ever played uh, through the wings uh, against Dortmund. I expect this to change a little, to be honest. Um, so be because if you have especially players like Mbappe or Neymar who can just dribble around Pischek or Zagadou on, on the wing, you, you just need to use that. And if you have a striker in the, in the middle... Um, who was who just has different instincts? Then I think this is a way to succeed against Dortmund. To be honest, um, yeah. so as yeah. great as it's, Mbappe it's, is, he's he's not a striker, and he was kind of just left all alone up there to chase long passes over the top, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, and Dortmund just have to make sure they can catch PSG on the break, which they should be able to. I I, I wonder, and this is probably more of a segment for my own show, but yeah. still, um, how how is the absence of uh, Meunier also going to impact? PSG. Yeah, so it's going to mean that Tilo Kerr is going to slot in there. Um, he's picked up a little bit of a knock. I don't know if he'll play tomorrow, but he's basically our last player that could play right back. Um, so we, I don't know how much, if he is able to play tomorrow, I don't know how much he will. He, he might just be, you know, left on the bench or not travel at all um, to Strasbourg because he's, Colin Dagba is our other right back and he's injured. Um I, I like Tilo Kerr a lot. I don't think there's a whole lot of a drop-off between uh, Mounier and, and Kerr. Um, I think Kerr is a, is a little bit faster, so that I think that could help against Dortmund's attack. So uh, I just need to make sure he's um, safe. Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I will, I will say this. Um, overall, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the CEO of Dortmund, said after the game that um, he thinks that PSG will show nerves that he is very aware of their record in the round of 16 of the UEFA Champions League. And I think um, Dortmund overall know this. So um, usually, you know, it's it's Dortmund who um, have, you know, who sometimes show nerves and have, have a way to sabotage themselves in that way because they have mental lapses. But I think... Um, the you know if, if we look at this matchup, um, it's probably PSG a bit more prone to it. So I think once the 70th minute comes around and the game is still close, then I think the advantage will be a bit more in Dortmund's camp. To be honest, yeah. If the game is close and maybe PSG are chasing it late on, like this team has been so, so through so much, 
Um, I just don't have a lot of confidence in them. Hopefully they can turn it around early on and not give us all heart attacks. Um, yeah, so you've given us a little bit of a hope. You, you talked about Dortmund's away record. Um, what yeah, are some it's been atrocious. In, in <laughs> what, are, what are some other reasons? Give give us PSG supporters. We've been through a lot. We we we've we've been up four 0 against Barcelona, lost that. We've been up against Manchester United. They came in with you know twelve year olds. They beat us. Give us something to hang our hat on. What can we be hopeful about? How can we beat Dortmund? How can we advance? All right. So the the biggest hope really is to look at the results in the group stages. And apart from Slavia Prague, both Inter and Barcelona managed to beat Dortmund with a two goal um, margin. So that's that's pretty much the the biggest hope. And in all these matches, Dortmund made some really comical, amateurish mistakes. Even though in the home leg they managed to prevent that. So um, yeah, it's just a very different Dortmund team on the road than than at home. Um, so, but those results were pre Emery Chan and yes, they and were pre Emery so. Chan. Yeah, obviously, but uh, you, you you never know because there were mistakes committed by Zagadou and Hummels here and there. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's just a, a matter of uh, how PSG come out and if they are playing with the confidence of a home team, they should be able to to trouble Dortmund because if they're there's one thing true about this Dortmund side, even if it uh, looked quite good in the in the first leg, they are not uh, defensively sound at all, and uh, a little bit of chaos here and there can easily unravel them. Absolutely. All right, let's get you out of here with this one. It's prediction time. What will be the final score? Who is advancing? <laughs> I think Dortmund was going to go through, honestly, um, and I think it's going to be a 3-2 win for PSG, and uh, on away goals, Dortmund will go through. Ah. The away goals. Well, I'll save my prediction for your show. Uh, so um, <laughs> it, I, we're kind of thinking around, around the same thing here. So, uh, Stefan, thank you so much. Yellow Wall Podcast. Tell us a little bit about it, where we can find it, how we can follow you on Twitter. Just plug whatever you'd like. Yeah, you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. Um, I'm not going to spell it out. So if you're really interested, just we'll go put to the show notes or whatever. Uh, um, you can find our website, theyellowwall.net. Um, and there you can find all the ways to follow. Um, you can find us on YouTube. That's maybe the easiest way. Just okay. put in the yellow wall or yellow wall pod and uh, on iTunes and all the other podcatchers, the same thing, basically. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining the show and good luck next week. Thank you.